Hi, this is C. Travis Webb, uh, editor of The American Age, and this is my note on last week's podcast. Uh, we spoke about Jussie Smollett, and you know the conversation wandered from there. I know towards the end, Seth and I uh, talked a little bit more about vaccines and public health policy and and the best ways to deal with that. Um, I think it's, I mean, although Seth and I are on the same page, Stephen, I think, is somewhat skeptical. Uh, I mean, obviously they can speak for themselves, but I think Stephen is always a little bit wary of um, discounting people's stories around um, implicit bias and racism and discrimination, which, you know, for good reason, I understand why he's skeptical about those things. Uh, and is always on the lookout for people trying to discredit them in some kind of generalized blanket way. You know, like these people, you know, there isn't really a problem. Everyone is making these problems up, et cetera. And I, and I don't, I wouldn't go that far with it. And so I think, you know, there basically there's broad agreement there. I am personally though, um, very concerned about, race being leveraged in the ways that Jesse Smollett very ham-fistedly tried to leverage them. Uh, I think that more of this is coming, uh, not because of one social group being uh, more or less more or less trustworthy or untrustworthy, but precisely because they aren't. They're all equally, you know, social groups are all people. Uh, are all equally liable to take advantage of the tools at hand to advance their ambitions, uh, particularly ambitious people. So if you are a highly uh, ambitious young uh, black female and you are trying to get ahead, and one of the ways to get ahead is to malign another highly ambitious a white female, it, it. I think that would happen just as often as it would happen for young white women to malign young black women to get ahead in, you know, like, let's say during the 70s or 60s or 50s, or even now, if there was a place that that, that worked to your advantage, which undoubtedly I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are places in the country in which it is an advantage um, in a highly competitive professional market to be white. I don't, you know, I, I don't have a laundry list of all of the different social arenas that people can test for uh, careers in, but I'm sure that that exists. Um, and so, of course, I think that uh, that regardless of someone's race, people would try to take advantage of this. And I think that the current discourse around this is de facto racist. I mean, the, the basically saying that there is some irredeemable guilt or stain on being white, whatever the fuck white means. I think listeners, longtime listeners know that I am very suspicious of these terms because they're largely meaningless. Um, they shift, they move. What qualifies as white in one decade doesn't qualify in another. What qualifies as black in another. I just, I really think it's a, a blind alleyway to be deploying the terms in this way. And I really think we should try and run away from them as fast as possible. Uh, but I am definitely swimming upstream on that one at this point. Um, so yeah, I think the, there'll be more Jesse Smollett's because 
sure, of course, why not? If if this is going to get you some notoriety, because they're always going to be unscrupulous people, regardless of the amount of melanin in their skin or cultural background or dialect or accent or national origin or religion or whatever blank you want to fill in there are going to be people that try to leverage these things because no matter what people are going to try and leverage them. The knock-on effects though are pervasive in a society that has a deeply racist history. So we're playing with dynamite here. We're playing with TNT. This is, it's really, really combustible stuff. Um, I mean, the, the history of racism in America is long and ugly and well-established and Using it in these ways is going to be catastrophically destructive to the civic space. It's getting worse, and I don't know what to do about that other than to, you know, do what I am doing. We, you know, we have this podcast and we have these other projects and whatnot, but. I really think it's a mistake. I really do. I, 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 I can't stress that enough. And I think Smollett is just an example of that. Um, yeah, that's my note for this week. Um, I, uh, as always, appreciate, appreciate all of you and, and thanks very much for listening and we'll catch up with you next week. Hi everyone. I'm Stephen G. Fullwood, one of the co-hosts of the American age. And this is my note coda for last week's story about Jesse Smollett. Last week, I chose the Jesse Smollett story because I think it's a story for the ages, don't you? I mean, it's got everything. and Race, sexuality, crime, assault, intrigue, cops, conspiracy, um, an attractive actor and singer at the center of it, and ultimately, a conviction. On March 10th of this year, Jesse was sentenced to 150 days in jail and 30 months probation for falsely reporting that he was the victim of a racist homophobic attack. After his sentencing, Smollett stood up in court and started screaming, I am not suicidal. I am not suicidal. If anything happens to me, I want to let you know I'm not suicidal and proclaimed his innocence. Now, when I first heard the story three years ago, I was stunned. I was like, oh, my God, someone was attacked and they did what? And then common sense set in as the details came in. And so let's run down the story elements. So Jesse was attacked in the middle of winter. Check. Late night in one of the coldest cities in the U.S. Check. He was, he reportedly said someone yelled out to him, one of the two, hey, aren't you the faggot from Empire? I don't know about that. A noose. Nope. MAGA reference. You gotta be kidding me. Bleach or chemical substance that was splashed on him. See, this is, hold up. This is exactly two of my very good friends at two different times when I spoke with them about this case when it first came out. Both of them were like, that's just too many things. That's all the racist things. That's almost all of the racist things, right? Um, had he had stopped at noose or faggot or whatever, maybe the scam would have went on a little bit longer. His story was too, it was not realistic. I never believed Jesse and I had no real reason to. His story just didn't make any sense to me. Then the Austin Dario brothers were arrested. Then they confessed that Jesse had put them up to the scam. He had paid them to beat him up. Now, mind you, I'm baffled 
as you are about why he did this, why Jesse made you know pulled a prank on himself. <laughs> I don't think that we'll really ever know. But I remember thinking, you know, as the story went on, Jesse's in court and he's like repeatedly denying that he had been involved in a hoax and that he did not call the police because as a black man in America, I don't trust the police. I'm sorry. I mean, I get that. That makes sense. Absolutely. But you were the victim of an attack. Don't you want to go on record? I mean, you did call, but I don't know. And then just um, mid last month, May 17th, he was released from jail. An Illinois state appellate court ruled that the former Empire star could go free while his appeals, um, while his appeal for his conviction, um, his appeals regarding his conviction for making false reports to Chicago police. He could go while that those cases are being handled. And so he's able to get out. So he spent seven days in jail, basically. Now, three years ago, January 2019, he falsely alleged that he was the victim of a hate crime. And. I just want to say this about hate crimes and people who lie about having them. So let's just be clear. When it comes to hate crimes, Jesse's lies are Jesse's lies. And they represent, say it with me, Jesse's lies. People have written and said and stand very firmly on the nonsense that Jesse's actions make it harder for people who are victims of hate crimes. Now, let's take this scenario. I want to reorient you a bit by taking the focus off of Jesse and onto the authorities who, no matter how many people have been proven liars, claiming to be victims of hate crimes, their work as authorities, as officials, cannot and should not be swayed or be biased towards others who come forth with such claims. That's on them. So, again, I want to take that focus off of Jesse because those authorities that do, I mean, that's just bias. That's not evidence. And worse, it lets authorities off the hook for doing the work that they have actually sworn to do, that they are paid to do, that we pay them to do. Um, what I think is useful when it comes to the Jesse Smollett story is that it has sucked a lot of our attention <laughs> as people who are trying to keep up with news and culture and whatnot, that that Jesse would use such horrible um, sim symbology, excuse me, that he would use the racial terror, the elements of racial terror, such as a noose to. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, how could how could he even like live? I mean, I love it when not love it. I found it rich, interesting when he would yell, why would I do this? That'd be like slapping a black community face or something to that effect. And I was like, but all evidence points to you doing it, buddy. So what does that say about you? And it just could be that he's a sociopath. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'll never know. But I do know this, that. It's an exhausting story that whomever, like all stories, the way you think about it tells me sometimes more about you than it does about the actual story, or maybe a little bit of both. It tells me something about the story, but also about how you see yourself in this world. There are people who will stand with Jesse, Jesse uh, until the end. His family, other kinds of supporters have made them their um, voices heard on social media. And then there are folks like me who are just kind of watching and going, don't understand why he did it. <laughs> and I have to be 
you know, now that basically a lot, the news cycle has died down and moved on to other things like the war in Ukraine, uh, the aggressive war that Russia has, um, has uh, instituted, the war in Ukraine, and other things that I won't say. But um, what a waste of energy. Thanks. Hi, this is Seth Rodney. I'm speaking to you from my home in Newburgh. It's Sunday night. And this is my note for the American Age podcast. I want my note tonight to focus on continuing the conversation that Travis, Stephen, and I had about Jesse Smollett. Uh, I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Is this Moyer? Can't tell. I think I've heard it pronounced a few different ways. I know that this is probably not the thing to do, which is to go onto social media and take my cues from some of the things I've seen about Jesse Smollett on Twitter to talk about what I want to talk about. But nevertheless, that's what I did. And I've seen a lot of, under the topic, Jesse Smollett, um, in the top hits from my feed, at least, there are a lot of right-wing folks saying things such as, and I'm quoting from one particular person who I'm not going to give any airtime to. I'm not even going to say his name. As he says, Justice Smollett was convicted of a hate crime and sentenced. Will Smith assaulted a man on live TV. Alec Baldwin shot and killed someone, and they're all comfortable at home. Yet Hollywood will continue to lecture us on privilege. Lots of people. Uh who seem to be right-wingers, seem to be conservatives, um, are saying things like that. They've also added Whoopi Goldberg to the list. I'm not sure why Whoopi would be on there, but it's a free-for-all, I suppose. Hunter Biden is also included. Um, I don't think that Hunter Biden is a Hollywood star. Uh, I'm not exactly sure under what pretext he gets shoehorned into this conversation. But it's a, it's a, this is what happens. The circus comes to, cl- to town and um, lots and lots and lots of people get out of the big tent. What do I want to say about that? I think that what I want to say is that it feels, and this is a very human thing, that people are consistently taken to be... Uh, uh, representative of some other group or some group to which they belong or to, or to which they are associated. They're always taken to not just stand for themselves. And I do that too. I understand that people do come together in groups that are allied by ideology or by certain innate features, such as race or ethnicity, or by gender, or by socioeconomic class. There are lots of reasons for human beings to kind of clump together. But we have this habit, I think, of not allowing someone to not be representative of the group with which they are associated. So, for example, it doesn't make sense to me entirely to 
impugn all of Hollywood because of Jesse Smollett's mistake or Will Smith's revolting behavior or Alec Baldwin's error, it seems. Um, he seems that he put, that he, uh, shot and killed a cinematographer in, com- in a complete error. And, um, uh, yeah, we have a tendency to do that, to say that not only is Jesse Smollett bad, but the whole group of Hollywood actors are bad, I don't, or, or privileged, or uh, uh, unethical in some ways. Um, and I think I have that tendency to do that, too. And I just am thinking that maybe I just want to find a way to stop doing that to talk about individual behavior in a way that doesn't presume that there's something wrong with the group to which they belong. Uh, I have to think about that. I think there's something worth thinking about. Okay. Thank you for listening.